Welcome to another episode of the Secure AF Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Today, I'm joined with Andrew Noland, COO of Alias, as we talk about rules of engagement. We're going to cover why you need them, what they are, who needs them, and what can happen if you don't follow the rules. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Secure AF Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Teddy. Um, So as I stated in the introduction, we're going to be talking about rules of engagement. So tell me a little bit about the rules of engagement. What are they? Yeah, so rules of engagement, you know, it's um, basically an outline of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable when it comes to performing some sort of uh, vulnerability testing, penetration testing, security assessments, uh, social engineering attacks, etc., Um, And just, you know, it's separate from the statement of work in a sense that, you know, statement of work just says, hey, here's the different options that you have. Here's exactly uh, what we're going to be doing and, you know, who the target is, uh, et cetera. But when it comes to the rules of engagement, that's, you know, more stipulations surrounding, um, you know, what type of attacks are going to be acceptable, um, you know, when, is there a time frame, um, and lots of other little details that go along with that. And so why do people need rules of engagement? So, you know, as with any uh, binding contract or, you know, any formal agreement, um, there's always going to be things that can throw a wrench into those uh, agreements and engagements Mm. and cause you issues down the road if they're not clearly defined beforehand. You know, there's a lot of gray area, I think, when it comes to ethical hacking as to um, okay, we could probably do that, but what would the client think of that? Would it be mm-hmm. acceptable? Would it be going over the top? And so rules of engagements really help clearly define those gray areas for you. So they're pretty much for, you know, not just for the client. They're for both the pen tester and the client. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's always situations and anytime you're doing um, ethical hacking, there's, you know, you run the risk of systems going down or you performing an attack and having unintended uh, consequences. So for a client, it helps protect them to make sure that they've stated and uh, provided as much information they can to the um, consultants about doing the testing so that, you know, they don't cause any disruptions of business or cause any power or, you know, uh, service outages, things like that. Um, And then, you know, of course, on the consultant side, um, it keeps them from getting into any you know, having legal ramifications, you know, doing something inappropriate, you know, those sorts of issues. So with rules of engagement, Mm -hmm. right, we've talked about how pen testers need them, clients need them. Do you only need them for a pen test or do you need them for like other sorts of assessments or scans or anything like that? Yeah. So my legal team would probably uh, tell you that you need it for everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> any engagement that you're getting in, any mm-hmm. services that you're offering from a consultant perspective, you probably want to have rules of engagement in place. And the, you know, there's certain things that you can get away with, just including in your contract agreements. You know, simple line items, things like that. Um, but you know, I think particularly when it's a service where you're trying to mimic, you know, uh, uh, real cyber criminals coming into a network environment or you know, uh, potentially hacking one of your employees through phishing emails and things like that, um, you run the risk of, you know, the, you know, the employees could always feel 
that they're being targeted or they were mm-hmm. um, unfairly targeted, you know, th- things like that. Yeah. That you would really want to, you know, have it have defined and you know make sure that um, there's you're not going to get any unintended feedback from that. So you especially want this for social engineering. Then. That's what I would think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think red team pen test, um, any social engineering where you're doing phishing attacks or phone call spoofing, you know, even uh, smishing, which uh, a lot of people, <laughs> they, they go back and forth on how they feel about that term. Uh-huh. But if you're doing the hacking through text messages, then, you know, that's kind of, um, that, that could potentially be a step over the line of somebody's personal privacy and, uh, yeah, you know. If it's uh, to yeah. like a personal cell phone as opposed yeah. to like a work cell phone or yeah. something like that. And then where I think it's especially important is on physical penetration testing where you're you're literally going up and posing as another individual trying to get past their security protocols to get into, uh, you know, areas that you shouldn't um, mm-hmm. to get onto, you know, technologies that you shouldn't, things like that. You know, it, it does have an effect on. You know, people f- you, people feeling manipulated because right. I mean that's part of the engagement. So yeah, I think that's you know, like I said, especially important to have those in place for those types of engagements. Gotcha. And so, what are some of the typical contents you would expect in like a full fleshed rules of engagement? Yeah. So um, I think you know one of the most common. Uh, line items for rules of engagement is, you know, what are the testing parameters? When can you test? When can you not test? Um, You know, if you are testing and you find something critical, then uh, what's the protocol for informing the client of this? Um, You would also look at, you know, maybe clearly defining some of the um, techniques that you mentioned maybe used in your statement of work. So mm-hmm. uh, we've had an engagement where uh, we listed all the different social engineering attacks that we can perform, and that's included in our proposal to the client. Well, as a part of the rules of engagement, we specifically defined what each of those social engineering techniques are, what's okay, what are some things that may not be okay. And um, I think it also had, you know, a limit to how many times we could contact people and things like that. Okay. Um, You know, some other things you'll find in a rules of engagement is if, especially if you're working with uh, a legal team on behalf of the client, you know, there may be things like a universe as far as who all can, um, you know, be included in the communications of the engagement uh, so that you don't uh, break attorney-client privilege. Um, you know, maybe referring to an engagement in a name separate that uh, helps keep the uh, client, the end client anonymous uh, throughout the communications, you know, mm-hmm. th- things like that. It includes all the nuts and bolts. The, 100%. hey, we're going to test, you know, from this day to this day. Here's what we're going to do. Here's yep. what you should be aware of. Then on the client side, it includes, you know, hey, here's what you guys shouldn't test. Here's what you guys need to be considerate of, you yeah. know, different things like that. Yeah, and there may be, like, certain individuals that are off limits, um, you know, mm-hmm. that may be identified in those. You know, you may also see uh, expectations for how often you need to give a briefing on how the engagement's going. And I think, you know, one of the biggest and most important pieces of a rules of engagement go- has to do with 
the end client's um, compliance regulations or, mm-hmm. you know, other responsibilities that they have for data breach disclosures. Um, because, you know, a lot of those uh, clocks, if you will, whether it's 48-hour disclosure, uh, disclosure of the breach or 30-day mm-hmm. disclosure, 45-day, depending on what the, um, you know, either legal or compliance regulations call for, uh, you want to ensure that if you do find something critical, you're able to let the client know and let them know in a manner so that they can, you know, begin that disclosure mm-hmm. process or, you know, identify or you're notifying uh, clients of the breach. Okay, so it's got some communication, you know, requirements says, hey, communicate with X if yep. you find X. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that also kind of goes along with the universe. It's like, okay, who from... Uh, yeah, who from the client's organization really needs to be involved in mm-hmm. uh, the engagement com- uh, updates. Um, there may be certain aspects of the engagement, such as the physical penetration testing, that you would only tell a single individual and give them updates on, um, you know, just kind of outlining all of those yeah. uh, specifics. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much talked briefly about what the rules are, you know, what you have inside of them, why you need them. So let's touch on what could happen if you don't follow the rules of engagement. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think this year uh, many people are familiar with some of the uh, white hat hacking uh, groups that uh, have gotten caught up in some of these engagements for Mm -hmm. either not defining the rules of engagement or not following them, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the biggest thing is if you know you're doing the physical penetration testing for instance um, and you happen to go into the wrong facility a facility that's either owned by the organization or not owned um, and you know that could cause some issues especially if it's you know government properties um, you know having you know trespassing charges or anything like that you can get a lot of unwanted attention if Mm -hmm. all that stuff's not clearly defined and you're aware of it going into it Mm mm-hmm And so it's, I mean, it would be your responsibility as the pen tester to know exactly what the scope is and what the rules are, right? Yeah, but that's, you know, also why it's such a collaborative uh, project. You want the client to be involved because, I mean, they know some things. Uh, Obviously, it's their facility or it's their network (laughs) or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, there may be uh, some unintended consequences that you're going to come across if you don't Mm -hmm. ask them about it first. So. You know, just being as thorough as you can on those things is never going to be a bad thing. So just be thorough, be detailed, just Mm -hmm. know what you're about to test, know who you're about to social engineer before you do it. Yeah, and you know, another thing that um, I think should always be covered, especially with the physical penetration testing, is having um, some sort of get-out-of-jail-free card is what we call them. But essentially, it's an official letter from the organization that you're working with uh, that outlines... uh, what's going on you know says that your company has been hired from this time to that time uh, to perform physical penetration testing you know it was approved by this individual and you've got a you know time frame of x to x to um you know perform that testing so Mm -hmm. in the event that the facility that you're uh, working at or performing the testing on has security or law enforcement um, it's a document that has, you know, exactly who you're working with, official letterhead, uh-huh. has the uh, engagement contacts information, has their cell phone number. Do not put their office <laughs> number because if you're in an emergency and you got a police it's officer, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, if you're you don't want to be in one of those situations and mm-hmm. you know getting somebody's voicemail, so it's got their cell phone number so that uh, they can call the individuals and confirm you know what your note says, and then you know one of the things I like to say is uh, you keep, always keep it in the same spot. So that if you're ever in a high intense situation being confronted during one of these engagements, that it's almost reactive to say, hey, back left pocket, I can grab it, or maybe you guys should grab it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but keep it in that same spot. Yep, always have it on you. Yeah, you want it accessible. And so we focused a lot on physical testing, but what about the digital side? Yeah. Right. So what are some instances of stepping out of bounds on, you know, internal physical or not physical digital testing yeah so i think the digital testing would be um are you just scanning or are you exploiting you know the actual vulnerabilities that you find whenever you exploit them do you just have free reign over the network to go do what you want or are you being asked to just stop and maybe take screenshots and you know kind of create a narrative from there as to what you could have done um where this really comes into play is i mean you go and uh, you pop a box that you know looks like and when i say pop a box i mean you're going to exploit a vulnerability (laughs) on a system that you know looks like you could go and do some other things with Mm -hmm. um in the event that you do that and it causes the system to go down or it causes an interruption of service somewhere else um those are just things that you're going to want to be aware of because your client's not going to be very happy if they're hiring you to do this testing as a professional and all you're doing is uh, Mm -hmm. causing them to not be able to do business yes Mm -hmm. So basically, to summarize, for rules of engagement, everybody needs it. The client needs it. The pen tester needs it. Have everything written down, because if it's not written down, it pretty much doesn't exist. Didn't happen, and there's no falling back on a uh, phone call that you had three weeks ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. Awesome. Thank you, Teddy. I appreciate it.